0: And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now.
1: What's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Chris Featherstone here for yet another episode of unscripted man look it's wednesday it's tuesday night you know what that means i have some of the biggest the baddest the best wrestlers and talent of today and yesteryear and guess what this night is no different listen i've had uh let me see how many how many episodes of unscripted have i had let me check and see i'm gonna check and see how many episodes of unscripted i've had i've had um let me find out. Let me find out. I've had 65. This is number 66. Wow, man. Time goes so fast. This is this is episode number 66 of The Unscripted Show. And I've interviewed Hall of Famers, big name talent, every single week. But you know what? That's business. And this one is personal and business because... There's a few people that you really get to know and become friends with and close with in the business of journalism, and I am so blessed and honored to call this person one of them. So I've interviewed him. I, I believe I've interviewed him more than anybody I've ever interviewed, actually. Ken Anderson's up there. Sean devar is up there. Um there's a, there's other people I've interviewed like a bunch of times, like a boatload of times. JTG, he's up there, too. There's uh, there's there's a there's, a, there's some three firsts like uh, my boy Lance Archer. Uh, this, this is another there's some really good talent. People I I've end up being close with in the business. But I've interviewed this person probably. I've interviewed Bischoff probably six or seven times, too. But I've interviewed this person probably ten times. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of times, but it's crazy, man. Because every single time I've interviewed or talked to this person, it feels like the first time. Uh, because everything it, it just feels so fresh. It never feels redundant. It never feels old. It, it just it just feels like a breath of fresh air every time I talk to this person. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, former WWE referee. The third person, the pivotal person in the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, Marty Elias. How are you
0: tonight, my man? I'm blessed. How are you, man? I truly appreciate your introductions. They're they're always very warming and very welcoming. So I'm humbled by that, and thank you very much. And it's my pleasure to call you a friend.
1: Likewise, man. And I, I, I'm a shooter, man. I don't I'll just you know, blow smoke. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, (laughs) my, my, my career, my, my, my lifestyle and career, my, you know, I'm a psychotherapist and uh, and that, that doctor right there is a shoot. I do that every day and uh, and I, and I learn, and I, and I make people feel good about themselves while challenging them. So, uh, by nature as my trade, I can't blow smoke, uh, to people because that would be a, A grave injustice of helping them, so I I shoot from the hip uh, as as pg as i possibly can to represent Amen. my lifestyle so i'm i tell the truth <laughs> and, I, and i tell the truth when i say what i say about you
0: man preach brother preach mean. i i truly appreciate that and you know if the world had more marty Elias's and dr chris featherstones uh the world would be an amazing place
1: Amen. come on somebody <laughs> cool man well before we get into these questions man uh you know huge following here over three million people that follow the uh uh, the sports keto platform across the uh across the the platform streams man i want you to plug the heck out of your podcast man you've got you've got over 25 years of just really good sizzling stuff to share with the pro wrestling world man and let the people know about it
0: yeah so uh i actually am going to be dropping my first First podcast. Uh, it's called Life After Three, and it'll be on the uh, Kill Cliff TV platform, which is co-owned by Joe Rogan and his and his people. There, wow. uh, I actually recorded my first episode. Uh, it's in the editing process, and I interviewed uh, Paul Roma, who's oh, actually nice. family to me. So we got into a lot of things that a lot of people don't know and people have never heard of, and uh, you know we we got into some really good stuff. So it's going to be dropping, uh, and when it does, I'll let everybody know. But uh, for more information, if you guys want to follow me on Facebook, it's just plain Marty Elias, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Marty underscore. Elias underscore one, and I'll, I'll drop all the info in that. So that's going to be good. Uh, it's called Life After Three for different reasons, and people are asking why Life After Three for the name. Uh, Life After Three is, 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 is something, you know, that uh, is near and dear to me because, as we know, I've, I've moved on from professional wrestling, and I've been blessed to go into different fields and different platforms. And music is one of them. Uh, television production is another and of course, you know I dabble in pro wrestling. Every now and a blue moon, I'll do that. But for the most part, it's just to inspire people and, and, and let people know that there is life after professional wrestling. You know that you don't need to be a victim of it. And you know I always uh, let let everybody know, especially my peers and, and my my brothers and sisters in that plath- in that world, that take that passion, take that drive, take. That love that you have, and go apply that someplace else. Because if you've applied it to professional wrestling and you've succeeded or had some type of success with professional wrestling, then you can take that and apply it to any other platform and be successful mm-hmm. as well. So I want people to know that. And I want people to know that if I can do it, Marty Elias, then anybody can do it because you just need to set your mind to it and not fall victim and wait for that one last call for that one last run. And Oh my God, they're going to call me. Don't do that. Don't, don't be a victim. Know your, know your value, know your self worth and do what's best for you. Love it, man. That's good stuff. You got pretty Paul Roma, man. That's a Pretty Paul Roma. (laughs) Yeah, power and glory. Young Stallions, you know, pretty wonderful. Pretty wonderful.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man.
0: Yeah, we went into –
1: Paul uh, Paul Orndorff,
0: yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we got into some really cool stuff, and I asked him things that – that nobody has asked them before, and you know, we we got into it and we really dug into it. You know, we talked to Power and Glory, Push, Why it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the rocker angle, and you know, mm-hmm. so we got into some really cool stuff. And uh, I'm really, I'm really excited for people to see this, and I'm excited to be on uh, Kill Cliff. Mm-hmm. Thank them for that, and also just just so people know too, you know, I was a part of Lucha Underground for oh, all yeah. four seasons. And my second podcast too, my second podcast uh, that I'm working on right now is going to be a uh, Lucha underground exclusive uh, podcast. It's going to be called going underground and I'm going to be pulling back the curtain uh, on everything Lucha underground because Mm. Lord knows that nobody is out there talking about Lucha underground and the fact that it has such a cult following and the fact that, MLW right now is even trying to duplicate something. It's called the Azteca Underground, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there's a market for it and people really want to know about it. And who better than a guy who was behind the scenes with everything from on camera to production to creative to talent relations to, to everything under the sun at Lucha Underground. Who better to talk about it and discuss it than me? Yeah. So, that one's going to be dropping maybe, maybe Halloween. You know, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some great stuff. We've done a couple Couple test episodes with that and when it gets rolling i'm actually going to be bringing on former lucha underground talent Mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing some watch-alongs and we're going to be talking about what it was like to be at lucha underground get their perspective get my perspective and really just blow the lid off of what really was going on at lucha underground
1: awesome man well we need to talk man because i would love to funnel funnel a lot of those talents here, to absolutely, explore, to, to use absolutely. this platform to code your stuff.
0: Too. Absolutely, let let's talk about that off air, brother. I love it, man. Good stuff. All
1: right, let's start with uh, Guillermo. Uh, how do you, uh, WWE choose which referee is going to be in each match? Uh,
0: that was actually when 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 I first got there. That was done by the senior officials, and at the time, th- there was a couple. We had Mike Chioda, and we had Nick Patrick. And Mike Kyoto was the uh, Raw referee, and Nick Patrick was the SmackDown referee. And then when ECW was there, it was Scott Armstrong. And they would be the ones who would uh, make all the assignments and stuff and, and give you either a dark match, a main event. And, you know, if you were in your hometown, you always got the main event. That was always something that was cool. So anytime we were in L.A. at the Staples Center or the Honda Center or anywhere near – LA, you know, uh, I always was blessed and I always got the main events in LA and, uh, it was always cool to have my family there and, you know, they got to see that. So that's pretty much how that uh, went. But prior to me leaving, uh, I know that that was done by John Leronitis, uh, who actually took that. And then, uh, it was something that they made assignments, but then again, Guillermo, more times than not, you would have people like a Shawn Michaels or a Chris Jericho, who would request a certain more particular referee, right. and they would ask either Mike Kyoto, Nick Patrick at the time, or John Laurinaitis, that, hey, you know, I would really like to have Marty Elias referee for my match. And that's how I got the uh, Undertaker-Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania 25 matches. Shawn Michaels went to John Laurinaitis and said, you know, I want Marty as the referee, and lo and behold, we made history. So wow. there you go, Guillermo. Good question.
1: Very nice um uh, Guillermo again uh, your opinion on former WWE
0: referee Tim White's lunchtime suicide skits uh I love Timmy White uh when I was there at WWE he took me under his wing really loved him gave me a lot of knowledge uh gave me a lot of uh feedback that I really needed at that time uh but as far as those skits and and that's pretty much what they were they were skits it was it was wwe wwf trying to do something to get referees involved and especially somebody like tim white who was andre the giants handler at one point and uh had, had been there for a long long time and been involved and he was actually an agent behind the scenes as well. So, you know, they, they wanted to do something with Timmy in his, in his bar, the Friendly Tap, which a lot of the boys, you know, went to go visit and hung out at and stuff because it was Timmy and he was taking care of the boys. But that's exactly what they were, Gamer. They were skits, and it wasn't anything to be taken seriously or nothing like that, although, you know, that they did have these suicide angles, which I'm sure they they wouldn't do today. But at the end of the day, they were just a skit, and, and, and that's what it was. They were skits.
1: Yeah. Rory is asking, uh, greetings from Puerto Rico, Mr. Elias. What was it like being the ref for the taker versus HBK match WrestleMania 25? And what's wrestlers particularly asked you to referee their matches in WWE?
0: Wow. Rory, uh, to be honest with you, it it was, it was a pinch myself moment and I still pinch myself to this day. And I still uh, am humbled. The fact, you know, that I was actually asked to be the referee for that match and, and to be in that match. And, I I still get jittery and, uh, really just, like I said, I, I I pinched myself because it was something going into that match that we didn't know what it was going to turn out to be. And here it is all these years later that people are still asking questions about it. And it, it was, it was the greatest moment in my life. Um, I'll never forget it because everything that I had worked for on the independence, making no money, uh, driving 500 miles for $5 and, you know, sleeping in cars, you know, and, and, and all that other stuff that goes along with paying your dues. That match actually elevated me to main event status for the rest of my career. And it, it was something that I'll never forget. And I'm humbled that people like yourself still ask about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's something, you know, that I'll go down in WWE history mm-hmm. and I'll always be tied to Shawn Michaels and the undertaker. So I'm blessed. Yeah. Um, and what wrestlers in particular, um, there was a few, uh, I would triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Ricky steamboat, uh, Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch, uh, Jeff Hardy, you know, so so the list goes on and on and on. Tommy Dreamer, you know, so a lot of guys loved my work and they loved working with me and they loved having me in there because they knew that I was gonna work just as hard as they were and I wasn't gonna mess up anything. And they knew that I was a very reliable referee, and, and, and that's something, you know, that I'll tell younger referees right now, you know, learn how to work. L- learn how to be there but not be there. I mean, unfortunately, you know, that there's folks who are training and, and, and wanted to be a referee today and stuff. But, you know, put in the work, put in the work. And I'm sure uh, re- wrestlers are sort asking those referees that, hey, referee my match.
1: Yeah, very nice. is uh, asking um, uh, thoughts on Mike Kyoto's release.
0: I was very surprised by that. I really was because Mike had been there for over 25 years And Mike had seen it all there at WWF, WWE. I mean, he he started with the Gorilla Monsoon's son, Joey Morella. I mean, Mike and Joey are the guys who took Shane McMahon on the road and trained him how to set up rings, uh, showed him everything, showed him how to be a referee. I mean, all this stuff, you know. So I was very surprised and shocked by it. But again... From things happening in WWE and changes in management and stuff like that, that didn't surprise me. So I was surprised on two aspects of it, but I I really think that Mike should be somewhere. Uh, I would have never released him if I was WWE. I would have sent him down to the Performance Center and I would have had him train those referees down there. That's exactly what I would have done. And I know he did a couple shots with AEW. And if AEW really wants to improve on their referees, they should have somebody like a Mike Kyoto or a Marty Elias there. Ooh. <laughs> you want to talk about the word improve. There you
1: go. Aubrey's doing good, but I think uh, yeah. Marty Elias. There's, there's, there's only one Marty Elias, man. I only think that, one. I would love that. Uh, Elvis is asking, what was your favorite Eddie Guerrero match that you worked?
0: It was actually, it wasn't even a WWE match. It, it was a match in Anchorage, Alaska. He uh, was working Chris, Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Yeah, and this was, I think, late 2001, maybe, in Anchorage, Alaska. There was an off show that I that I was asked and I got booked on. And uh, it, it was great because that mat, that show, it, it was stacked. I mean, you had and Joe on this show. Uh, card you had Frankie Xarian you had Brian Kendrick Spanky and you had Brian Danielson uh, at the time he was American dragon so and, and of course we had Eddie and Christopher Daniels so it was a very stacked card but one of the things you know that I remember from that match and why it's my favorite is because it was where I had that aha moment and when you have those aha moments in in, in any career whether it be a musician a cook or, or whatever it is that you do, an artist, when you have those aha moments, they stick with you and you finally grasp exactly what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Eddie before the show and asking him what he wanted from me. And Eddie looked at me and he says, Hey bro, you're here for a reason. If you weren't any good, you wouldn't be here. Just go out and do you. And It it, it took me aback because nobody had ever told me that, just to be me. And I went out there and everything just clicked it clicked with Eddie in the ring. And he was talking to me the whole time. And and it was one of those things where I went, now I get it. Yeah. This is what it's about. And I'll never forget that match. And even though I did get to do stuff with Eddie in WWE and you know, some other cool stuff, I, I knew Eddie. And, and I know the Guerrero family and I love Chavo to death too, he's my brother. But working that one particular match with Eddie Guerrero is something that I'll never forget. And I was glad that I got to know Eddie, and I was blessed, you know, that I got to work with him.
1: Yeah, Viva La Raza, nice. Uh,
0: Tim is asking, who is your favorite
1: referee in wrestling now? Don't have one. I I don't know who's refereeing. Good point. Um, Or... Who are (laughs) I know? Aubrey is uh, is
0: Charles still there. Is Charles at WWE? Chad Patton, uh, those guys still there?
1: Oh, goodness. I don't, I can't even recall who's the referee. They're so, and that's sad because they're so just like blended in nowadays that they don't really stick out. I mean, you stuck out, Nick Patrick stuck out, uh, you know, Charles. Different time, different
0: time, different time, different era, man. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't don't remember. I know there's, I know that there's one and, yeah. It's sad. I don't don't remember. Uh, So you have um, Aegis Smith, Armist, Patton's still there, it looks like, Charles Robinson's still there. And all the uh Derrick Moore, I know that he does some things. He's kind of notable. Jessica
0: Jessica Carr. She she's 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 a bit notable, but I don't know who that is. <laughs> I I can tell you who my ultimate favorite all time referee of all time is. Who's that? Marty Lyons. There you go.
1: There's none other. <laughs> um, how did you feel about um what's my guy? He used to um referee nwa um tommy young tommy young yeah he's always he's always do the dusty finishes
0: <laughs> love love tommy young I, yeah. I i've had some great conversations with tommy young mm-hmm. uh his selling was by far the best oh I mean, yeah charles, charles robinson takes a lot from tommy young if you yeah. look at tommy young and you look at charles robinson and compare yeah. him But I've had some great conversations with Tommy Young, and he's taught me a lot. I mean, just over the phone, call him at home. And and I've had three or four-hour conversations with Tommy. I told him – thank I thanked him for being an influence and stuff. I mean, because – here are the guys who influenced me. It was Tommy Young. It was Tim White. It was Mike Kyoto, And it was Jimmy Corderas. Th- those are the four guys that I really looked to when I was starting and especially Tommy Young. But then when I got to WWE, Kyoto was so good at what he did. And then Jimmy Corderas was like that nurturing father who, who really wanted you to succeed. Yeah. And of course, Timmy White, he had, you know, the knowledge, he was like the, uh, the, the Jedi, uh, of uh referees back then and uh, you know he would always sit you down and he would give you a there's my boy he mentions me in his book
1: oh okay yeah well, yeah, I, yeah. Haven't, uh, I haven't read all of it I've, I've,
0: I've hey it. you know speaking of books uh april uh 22 uh marty lass will be dropping his my man yeah life after three man. life nice. after three
1: congratulations man thank That's you awesome. thank nice. you um You've been vocal about uh, Kevin Dunn firing you for setting. Uh, I don't think he finished that. <laughs> finished that question. Uh, what are your thoughts about Kevin Dunn?
0: My mother always said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Enough said. <laughs>
1: uh, how was your time in UPW? Mike is
0: asking. Wow, that's that. That you're going back there. I yeah. I really enjoyed my time at UPW. I, uh, I I grew a lot there because I was working for Jesse Hernandez at EWF here in mm-hmm. Southern California, and I wanted to go to the next level. And UPW w- was was that next level at that time, and they had just got a developmental with uh, WWF and mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard and Tom, and these guys were going down there quite frequently. And I, I decided to, to move on, and uh, I, I went there, and I started doing a lot of – good good stuff and and rick bassman really took care of me when i was there and ultimately i was doing all the booking for uh, upw uh behind the scenes so when you see a lot of that stuff that was happening that was all me i was booking a lot of that stuff for uh rick bassman and upw i was there when john cena started yes, i was man. there when Simone yeah. Joe was Simone there. Joe, uh Daniels Vic, Victoria. Yeah. I was Victoria, there when yeah. I was there when the Miz stepped into the ring for the first time and didn't know how to run the ropes. Wow, very so nice. yeah, I I got to see a lot of people come through there. Molina was there too. Oh, okay,
1: very nice. Yes. Yeah, so which, I enjoyed my time. Which is more proof of you better uh, listen to that
0: podcast
1: Life After Three because this guy, as I said, I'm I'm not playing. He has
0: quite a bit to share about pro wrestling. I know a lot of stuff yes. about professional wrestling and I know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: yeah. Indeed. Rizu was asking, what do you think of Ricochet's current WWE run Prince Puma uh, back in your day?
0: Oddly enough, uh, they have put the handcuffs on him and, when he was at Lucha Underground and when he wanted to go to, and again, I'll be talking about these types of things on going underground. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have episodes specific to certain talent and Prince Puma was one of them. Johnny Mundo will be another one. We'll all yeah. talk exclusively, but I'll give you a little snippet. I remember talking to, to Trevor when he wanted to get out of his Lucha Underground deal and he was adamant about it. And I remember talking to him and I said, look, I said, you're going to go there. And rightfully so, you should go there. Everybody should go there if that's their goal. Mm -hmm. I said, but here's the thing. They're not going to let you do what you do here at Lucha Underground. They're not going to let you be Ricochet. They're not going to let you be Prince Puma. They're going to handcuff you, and they're going to tell you to be Ricochet WWE. That's what they're going to do. And he was adamant about it. No, I need to go, and I want to make the money, and my son. And I said, okay, great. I said, you know, like I said, everybody should go do it. And unfortunately, that's exactly what WWE has done. And I really feel that if he was not with WWE, I think that he would be doing what he was doing in the past. And who's to say, you know, that he can't go to MLW and resurrect a character like Prince Puma. I mean, you know, where they take the handcuffs off of him. Yeah, Prince Puma was such
1: a really, really good character. And I know that uh, he really looked up to Rey Mysterio and he had opportunities yeah. to to compete against Rey Mysterio during uh, when Mysterio was in Lucha Underground. So and I was, was a referee cool. for those matches, by That's the way. That's right. You were absolutely. Uh let's see here. Alan's asking, Was there a match that you officiated with some press Vince McMahon? If yes, what did he tell you backstage? Good question.
0: Uh, he he never really gave you feedback unless it was something you know that he he was nitpicking at. But I, I do recall uh, it was New Year's Revolution, and unfortunately, it, it was uh, when Triple H got injured and stuff. Um, after the match, when 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 we did the schmas and 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 we called it a no contest and all that, and we got to the back, uh, Vince pulled me aside and he told me sh- straight up. He goes thank you for being out there and for being where you were. He goes, mm-hmm. because you really helped Paul. And uh, thank you for being out there and for taking care of him. And I Very said, nice. that's my job, boss.
1: Very nice. Uh, Tim is asking, uh, did you ever work with Earl Hebner?
0: No, I didn't, unfortunately. But when I did my first WWF dark match in 1999, uh, I went out and I did my dark match. And Earl, of course, was a senior official then. And uh, so I went out and, and, you know, I went and I did this dark match. And I came back through the curtain up to Gorilla and Earl Hebner is standing there. And he looks at me and he goes, your counts are too fast. And he walked away. And I went, okay, thank you. <laughs> that was it.
1: Well, hey, there's some experience. There you go, man. There was some, uh, did, I mean, did you take, did you take uh, his advice there?
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, that that I tell a lot of young referees or young wrestlers or whatever, if a veteran or somebody who's been in the business longer than you gives you advice and they give you some feedback and stuff, you don't necessarily need to take it all in. Mm-hmm. Take stuff that applies to you and it's going to work for you mm-hmm. and make it your own and go out and do it. You know, because that's what's going to set, separate you from all the others when you go out and you do these things that people have suggested or the advice that they give you. I mean, because, again, like we were talking just a little while ago about referees, nobody really knows who the referees are because, A, they don't say their names anymore because they're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at myself, Kyoto Corderas, I mean, everybody knows who we are when they see us. They go, Oh, that's Marty lives. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. Charles Robinson. That's Mm -hmm. Mike Chioda. That doesn't happen today. So again, take what they say and apply it and make it your own and make it you.
1: Yep. Why do you think Vince McMahon uh, has, has yet to induct a, a referee in the hall of fame?
0: I was told one time on no uncertain terms, that referees don't put people in seats.
1: Yikes! But you have like the Danny Davises and Nick Patricks who were actually like talent. You know, they mm-hmm. were they were like mm-hmm. on air talent on top of being referees. Especially like a Danny Davis. You know, he was really yeah. a, a pivotal mm-hmm. within the Hart Foundation and, and Jimmy Hart.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. But well, I was also told that uh, nobody's paying to see a referee. Wow, and referees were not talent. They're not talent. What are they? <laughs> what are I, you? I? I shook my head and scratched my head on that one too. And I still, to this day, even telling you this, I still shake my head and go, "They're not talent." Okay, all right. And I was told that at WWE. Okay, wow,
1: so. that doesn't make sense. No.
0: Uh, what's your experience
1: working with uh, Alberto El Patron?
0: I uh, got to work with him at uh, Lucha Underground, mm-hmm. and it was great working with him. One of the things that I really enjoyed working with, with Alberto is that he really knows what he wants in a referee, and he will tell you exactly what he's looking for. And I remember the first time I worked with him, uh, really really didn't know uh, who he was, or or I would never got an opportunity to work with him. But I got in that first match, and I remember it was with Tejano and uh there were some things you know i'm sorry i just hit my laptop uh there were some things you know that he came back and he says look uh next time you work with me i'd like you to do this 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 so when i did that uh the next time i worked with him he just went you're my guy and i was his guy at lucha underground and um it it always worked out and I I really enjoyed working with him because one of the things that that he really liked in a referee. And and again, a lot of referees don't do this. He wants you to treat it as a shoot. He wants you to treat it. He wants you to be aggressive with him. He wants you to get in between. He wants you to grab him, wants you to really be that authority figure. Mm -hmm. And he really, when you're working with him like that, that's, that's the thing that really just gets him going as well. So when you do that, it really shows that you're, given that authority you're that authority figure that you're not going to take any nonsense and that's exactly what he played off of so if i was doing that then he was doing that so it, it just worked for us yeah yeah a couple more uh let's
1: do um uh, people, someone who haven't asked before uh, whoever uh got to yet uh james asking did you ever work with austin and benoit
0: uh, got to work with Austin behind the scenes, um, but I never got to be in a match with Steve, unfortunately. But yes, I did get to work with Chris Benoit uh, when I was on the road to WWE and got to work with him on TV and got to travel with Chris. And, um, you know, that's uh, all I can say about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Safed is asking, uh, what was it like working with the woman while you were there?
0: Oh, it was great. You know, we, we, we had some very, very great... Women workers there. I mean, we had Melina, we had Lita, we had Trish, we had Beth Phoenix, I mean, Mickey James. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the list just went on and on and on. And, you know, at that time, I mean, we had Gail Kim. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- there was just a lot of different women who could really bring it. And it was very, very cool to work with somebody like Alita and work with Trish and Mickey James, you know, when they mm-hmm. were at their peak and stuff. And, one of the things you know, you know, that I like to say is, you know, that Lita, Mickey, Beth, Melina, Trish—they—they they were their own unique individuals, and they had their own look, and they had their own style. Yep. And but some of the stuff that I see today, unfortunately, it's like every other female ref uh, worker today is wearing the kick pads wearing the shorts and wearing the the sports bra yeah. and wearing the leggings and stuff so they're all cookie cutter and nobody mm-hmm. has that individuality mm-hmm. anymore like the trish and the mickeys and the the Beth phoenixes did and i was really glad that i was a part of that and really got to work with them and got to know them
1: yeah absolutely um Lita's my all-time favorite wrestler, uh, so yeah, I'm glad that you were able to work with uh Oh, uh, Amy the, was
0: great. Amy was yeah, great.
1: Yeah. Uh, last question. Who was your favorite wrestler to work with?
0: Shawn Michaels. Of course.
1: I would I course. would that for you.
0: <laughs> Shawn Michaels, Taker, Eddie Guerrero, yeah. you know? Yeah. So,
1: Let the listeners know one more time about Life After Three, my man.
0: Life After Three on Kill Cliff uh, TV. Uh, be checking it out. And if you want to follow me at Marty Elias uh, on Twitter, and on Instagram and Facebook, uh, I'll be dropping some news and info. Got the book coming out in April uh Ah, uh, next year twenty two, life after three, life after three podcast, and then going underground podcast that is going to be based exclusively on Lucha Underground. So you know, be ready for that, and uh, there may be some other little surprises coming my way too. So stay tuned.
1: A man of uh, of many hats, and all of them sound very intriguing, man. Congratulations! All congratulations on all your compliments and all your. Thank continued you. success man i'm very, I'm very so proud much. of you my brother man you are you're such an, uh, a gem to the pro wrestling community and uh you know if you don't know who marty Elias is you better get to know because he has a wealth of information and once again watch wrestlemania 25 and realize how fluid the match was and it would have not been as fluid if this guy right here wasn't a part of it so Marty Elias. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you as always, my brother. It is always
0: a pleasure to have you on my show, man. I'm humbled. Thank you very much, my brother. And just one last thing to everybody out there, be a good human and be blessed.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a good night, everybody. So long.